Hey everyone, and welcome to the Ballet and Beyond podcast, where we interview current and former professionals, teachers, patrons, and more from the world of ballet and dance. You'll get insight from top dancers and instructors in the industry, as well as local performers and educators, as they talk about their experiences in the business. I'm your host today, Pete Commander. If you're from the greater Baltimore area, don't forget to check out Charm City Ballet, located in Cockeysville, where we offer classes for all dancers ages 3 through adult. Visit www.charmcityballet.com for more information on classes, auditions, and upcoming performances. This is episode 6 of Ballet and Beyond, and we're joined today by Washington Ballet Principal Tamako Miyasaki. Tamako began her ballet training in Japan before moving to the U.S., where she has won many awards and scholarships on the competition circuit, including first place in the Youth America Grand Prix Finals in 2002. After dancing for two seasons with the Washington Ballet Studio Company and then briefly with Columbia Classical Ballet, she joined Washington Ballet as a company member and is currently in her sixth season. Tamako, thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of this. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so let's start with, uh, you were actually recently uh, back in Japan, correct? Yes. Talk to us a little bit about your transition in going from training in Tokyo to coming to the U.S. So training in Tokyo and U.S. are completely different because here in U.S. you hear Washington Valley that connects to the school with the school of the Washington Valley or let's say ABT is connected to JKO but lots of schools in Tokyo are all private schools so it's not very connected to the company so that's a big difference and yeah so like if you like lots of girls do ballet actually it's a very very popular and famous things to do when you're girl and little everybody like almost every single girl learn ballet mm. and piano yeah mm. uh what are what are some of the different focuses in the way that they teach in japan versus the way that they teach in the u.s so i feel like in u.s as i said there are lots of big ballet schools so they have lots of performances but in Japan, there is no big ballet school. So when they are students, what they do is go into a competition. So when they train, they focus on a competition, which I don't really like because ballet is an art. It's not, you don't, you're not supposed to compete with anyone. Mm. But when you're in Japan, that's the opportunity to go on stage. So lots of people do competitions when they are even like five years old. They cannot even put point shoes on, but they do this thing called pre-competition. So it's not an actual competition, but they're training to go on training to go into real competition. So even the little girls do the pre-competition. It's kind of weird for me now that I'm you know here in US. There's no pre thing, so. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And you had, so I'm going to jump down only because we're talking about it. Um, so among your many other accolades, um, I know from your bio that you won first place in Youth America Grand Prix in 2002 and that you've been 
very active in competitions over the years. Uh, what kind of benefits have you seen from doing competitions um, that have helped you through your career? Actually, for me, competition helps a lot because I have done lots of open auditions. And when you go to audition for a company or even ballet school, you have to dance with a bunch of people. But I don't have a great body, not like a Sahara, you know? Like she has, you know, professional ballet dancers look all look like tall and skinny and nice arches, nice leg line. But I don't have that. So when I do the open audition, I can be very hidden by, you know, beautiful body bodies. Mm. But when I did competition, I could just shine how I dance, not just how you look, how your body is. So I think uh, when I did a competition, I could shine more and those directors or school directors told me that I could dance, not just, you know, my body might be not for a ballet, but I could do something. I could shine on stage. So that's how I got job and that's how I got lots of scholarships for summer schools and also I went to uh, Milan Scala Academy yeah for two years so that was from the competition as well so competition helps me a lot honestly to get into the career yeah right was there a downside uh, were there any negatives that you found came from competing oh well, yeah because like you don't want to compete it's like you it's when you compete it's easy to forget about art when you compete there's always uh, first prize second prize third prize and you might not go into final maybe so when i went to competition i try always try to look for not for the prize but for scholarships or jobs or some connection with my teachers that's why I like the competition that has lots of uh, workshops because that's not just one solo on stage, but you also got to learn from other teachers or you also get to see uh, how other people do classes. So that was a good experience of the competition. But getting a prize or not getting prize was not very... Um, I wouldn't say downside. I mean, if you don't go to final or you don't want to, if you don't get prize, maybe that's a downside. But I didn't want to focus on that part. Mm. Okay. When you had come to teach uh, at CCB, actually, we had talked a little bit after about how life as a professional is different in Japan than it is in the U.S. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, first of all, in Japan, they're ballet companies, but they are not like here. Like here, I'm a ballet dancer, and I can live as a ballet dancer. Like I just, I just dance and rehearse and go on stage. That's my job. But in Japan, even though if you're a ballet dancer, you cannot make money from just being a dancer. So okay. yeah, that's kind of sad part. That's why I think a lot of Japanese people goes to abroad, like America or Europe, because in Japan, I mean, there are lots of lots of companies, but 
everyone have second job, like even teaching or maybe working at 7-Eleven, I don't know, bar at night. So, I mean, if you love ballet, it's maybe like, I don't know, you want to focus on that instead of just, you know, ty- like being tired after the rehearsal and then going to work, another work. That's not, I mean, I would be tired during the rehearsal if I do that every day. Right, right. So as an artist, it's great that I can focus on just, you know, what I need to do here. So I'm so grateful that I have a job here. Right. Yeah. Right. Again, talking about taking your class, uh, you talked about the idea of finding your sparkles. And we just loved that. So I'm I'm wondering what some of the things are that you think about when you're performing that bring out your sparkle. So, like as I said, I'm not very like I don't have the body for like mm-hmm. ballerina. So I mm-hmm. have to show myself with something else. And also, like technique is always a good thing to show yourself, but. I mean, this is not a sport. Ballet is not a sport if you want to just show your technique. Same as a figure skate, you know, like turn or jump high or lift your legs higher or something like that. That's more sport. So I like to focus on technique, but I need something more in your technique. And for me, think about like shininess or sparkleness in your in your class or even on stage, that's very important as an artist because it's like a color. I feel like everyone ha- everyone needs to have different colors, but sparkle is my favorite, you know. It's not color, but like shiny, like something clicks on me and then my eyes go to the shininess. So that's why right. I like to, yeah, <laughs> say it's a... Uh, finding your sparkle is very important for me. Mm. And important starting in class, you were saying, right? Not just on stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't do sparkleness every single class, honestly, because sometimes I feel tired. I need to, sometimes I need to listen to my body and what I need to do. So in company, for example, if some choreographer comes to see class for the next ballet that she's projecting or, you know, somebody important comes to see class. Maybe I'll do my sparkle technique. But usual ballet class, I try to focus myself on, you know, I need to listen to my body. So like open audition, when you have a bunch of people, I'll do sparkle technique in my class. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I want to talk about your experience at Washington Ballet a little bit, and specifically um, after 2016 when Julie Kent became artistic director. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to work with her and sort of how the company changed after she took that role. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the former director of Team Labor was the man, and Julie Kent is a lady, so that's a big difference already for me. And also, Septim was a choreographer, and he was never being a professional dancer. And Julie Kent, yeah, she was like everyone knows about her. She's 
who's a principal dancer with ABC for a long time. So the uh, rep completely changed because with Pepsi, we did lots of kids' ballet because he was a choreographer. But now with Julie, we do lots of ballet that she has done or ABC has done. So that's a big, big change as a company. And what I like about her was she is very uh, delicate and sensitive to us because I think she was a ballet dancer. She's a woman, so she knows how ballet dancers feel every day in class, in rehearsal. So that part, I really like it because she has done what we are doing right now. So like she understands us very well and she appreciates us so great. So every time she teaches her in class, she motivates us. She was like, so proud of you. Like you guys are working so hard. So like she's a motivation for ballet company, I think, for Washington Ballet. Right, right. What are the some of the things that she focuses on in coaching performance? Details and qualities, for sure. I feel like uh, as a ballet dancer, I grew up more with Julie because, yeah, she is very, uh, she has a very good eye to correct each one of us. Like everyone has a different body and different, you know, training, but she fixes us in a good way. But different way. It's not like everyone towards same correction. But each one of us has different things to fix. But we also need to look in the same company, you know? Right. So that's a very, uh, I feel like she's good at looking at details. Okay. Okay. All right, Tamako, talk to us a little bit about what you have coming up next, what kind of projects you have going on, and things like that. Yeah, so now we are working on this program called Next Step. So this show is in October 23rd, 27th, and it's at Harman Theater in Washington, D.C. It's in front of Capitol Arena. And we're going to have uh, three different choreographers, Another Ochoa, John Hayne Bottom, and Jessica Lang. And those three choreographers are making brand new ballet for Washington Ballet. Oh, very, very cool. Exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Now we have Jessica Lang with us. She's creating a new ballet, and I'm very excited about it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very exciting. All right, Tamako, I think that's all I had for us today. Thanks so much for joining us and being part of the show. Thank you so much. It was fun. This episode was brought to you by Charm City Ballet. If you live in the greater Baltimore area, don't forget to check out Charm City Ballet located in Cockeysville. Visit www.charmcityballet.com for information on classes, auditions, and upcoming performances. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram and give Ballet and Beyond a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. For questions and guest requests, please email us at balletandbeyondpodcast at gmail.com. I'm your host, Pete Commander. Thanks for listening.